Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Thursday edition of the program, Let's Talk Sports. I'm Kanoa Leahy here coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu. And my guest co-host for the day, uh, well, he's usually here on Thursdays when everything lines up all right. And he's here again, KHON2 Sports Director, Rob DeMello. Robbie D, how's it going, my man? What's up, my brother? Yeah, 808-296-1420 is the number to call. You can text into that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, I am coming to the studio straight from the Polynesian Bowl practice. We've been free frequenting some of their uh, events and practices here throughout the week. Um, And I had to leave, obviously, because downtown traffic's been a little bit of a chore here this week. Uh, And so needed to get out of uh, the uh, Kunuyakea Stadium and the uh, Kamehameha Kapalama campus a little bit early just to make sure that I got here on time because we've been cutting it close the last couple of days. Um, And, of course, right before I'm about to leave, I'm kind of talking story with some of the people, some of the other media members, some of the other people that are helping out with the game and whatnot. And uh, I feel a tap on my shoulder. Like, just as I'm, like, kind of getting to the point, you know where you're like, all right, when I get a break in the conversation, I'm going to be like, all right, guys, I'm out of here. You guys take care. So Which is the hardest thing to do in the state of Hawaii, by the way. Exactly. Uh, Especially when you're Portuguese. So, um, and I feel a tap on my shoulder, and I look, and it is Nalu Tongo Vailoa. It is uh, Tua and Talia's dad. Uh, How you like the name drop so far, by the way? Anyway, um, so (laughs) End of story. Yeah, that's right. That's all I wanted to say is uh, Nalu uh, recognized me. Anyway, um, call in. 808. No. Uh, So he taps me on the shoulder, and I say, hey, what's up? And we're talking. I'd seen him the other practice as well but we didn't really get a chance to to talk too much so we were just chatting real real briefly uh, and then he's like hey you got to help judge uh, the event here and i didn't really know what what he was referring to he's like you gotta judge the game and i was like uh i don't know and he's like hold on let me grab rich and he goes and he gets uh, rich miano who helps to coordinate the practice former in nfl the game. veteran but that's and, right uh, yeah 11 year <laughs> nfl veteran and um but like rich kind of like runs the the show like the operation if you will uh, of the game and the practices it, it's it's awesome and uh, you know i've always referred to him as a red bull can with legs yeah. and he is like that uh, through and through, uh, especially when uh, he's running these practices. So then Rich and Nalu come over to me, and Rich is like, are you down? And I'm like, down for what? And so basically what they do throughout uh, the week is they have these what they call body armor contests uh, because body armor, one of the sponsors of the game. And so during the practices, they'll either like cut practice for 10 to 15 minutes, and they'll do something like on the first day, they had the quarterback longest throw contest. Dylan Riola threw the ball 73 in the air uh, 73 yards in the air no big deal um and that was pretty fun and they'll do some other things like you know maybe sprints or even like who does the best uh, solo haka dance or something like that this one this particular contest was best touchdown celebration and so i was thinking oh that's that's really cool he's like are you down touchdown celebration i was like yeah when are you gonna do it he's like oh about 11 15 and at this time it was a little before 11 and i'm thinking i'm trying to do the math in my head i was like okay well, how long is this gonna take he's like oh Oh, it's going to be no later than like 11.35 is when it's going to end. And I'm trying to do the math, like walk to the car. It's a big campus up yeah, there, yeah. right? So it's like drive on down through the gig and stuff, downtown traffic. And I'm like, I think it's going to cut a little too close. So I, I told Rich, I was like, I don't think I can do it. I would love to, but I probably got to get going here in the next like five minutes or so. Uh, and so that's how it ended. And uh, I'm just thinking to myself as I'm driving back, probably not too many people. Um 
and yes, circumstances were what they were. And, and I know in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. But like, probably not too many people uh, tell Nalu Tango Vailoa these days, like, <laughs> no. And so now I'm just like totally in my own head, like, oh, man, that was a bummer. And I hope that uh, he's not thinking like, oh, Kanoa, what a flake. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's, oh, I'm seeing breaking news here on Twitter. Kanoa <laughs> has been removed from the Polynesian Bowl play-by-play staff from the NFL For Rich Network. Miano. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I, you know what? I wouldn't put it past uh, that game, man. He's, he's got some pull. He's got some pull. But yeah, so you you and I are wired somewhat similarly where we will absolutely like over-dramatize things that are just absolutely, uh, in most cases, uh, just mundane and, and nonsensical. Uh, but in this case, I was driving back going like, oh, no, I hope Nalu's not mad at me. Yeah, yeah. No, again, you'll be fine. You'll be there. Uh, you'll be there at the Polynesian Bowl tomorrow. And uh, you know what? You can judge the touchdown celebrations <laughs> in the actual game. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, I actually am curious as to who won, though. Like, that's uh, that's something that we have to find out, too, <laughs> uh, at some point. Uh, all right, I got Robbie D. Rob DeMello here in the house. There's a lot to get to, including the Polynesian Bowl. We're also giving away a pair of Rainbow Wahine basketball tickets for their game Saturday against UC San Diego, uh, Hawaii, uh, on the floor tonight against Long Beach State. Uh, and so um, Hawaii trying to get back to its winning ways. Uh, had a little bit of a hiccup on the road, but otherwise they're 4-1 in conference, looking very, very stout, playing a really, really tough brand of uh, basketball at the moment um, and then you also have the men who are on the road at Long Beach State and uh, things have been a little bit more um, uh, let, let's just say uh, it, it has it has been a little bit tougher on the men uh, they have run through a, a little bit more turbulence here uh, at the start of conference playing you can kind of roll that back to uh, the Diamond Head Classic and that last one-off prior to that tournament against Nevada and Hawaii's had a bit of a, of a rough road here uh, the last few weeks when you look at those two teams Robbie D um, how do you sort of summarize where each one is at let's start with uh, the men since they're going to be playing uh, first our time on the road at Long Beach Day. Yeah, the men, it's been interesting because heading into the season, right, if you were to say, okay, what, what's the strength of this team, right? Watching them through training camp, watching them early in the season, and then getting ready for the actual season, the strength of this team, you'd imagine, is the veteran leadership, is these guys that have been through all types of experiences, and whether it's the D1 transfers, uh, like a Justin McCoy, who's already been there and done that and had these experiences, whether it's Juan Munoz, who had these experiences what feels like 15 years ago, and then finally getting his opportunity here at the University of Hawaii being healthy. And then you look at the guys that like Noel Coleman and Javon McClanahan, um, who as members of the University of Hawaii men's basketball team, have been through a world of experiences, have won big games, have lost big games, have clawed themselves back from big deficits, have lost big deficits. So, I mean, in the world of sports, is these experiences are so important. And so you'd figure that their strength would be when they run into these late game scenarios or when they run into these situations, they'd be ready for them. And that's the craziest thing with this basketball team where if there was a weakness to this team, it's those late game mm -hmm. situations. And it seems to be the confidence that they lose when it gets to the final five minutes of ball games or the final you know few minutes of halves in those situations where you need to get the ball up the court quickly. You, you need to um, make this pass at this time. And that's been the biggest confusion with this team is that, you know, if I were to pick out one thing that I wasn't worried about heading into the year, it would be that. And that seems to be the issue here 
through the Big West Conference, the beginning of the slate, and, and then towards the end of that non-conference season. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I, I think it's never a good sign overall when you have, and this is something that Aran Ganat is admitting to, when you have still uh, an apparent search for uh, your set locked combinations, right? Usually at this time of year, that's when coaches start to really get attached to, all right, this is our starting rotation. Uh, this is how we're going to sub in in most cases. Obviously, matchups can change that. Uh, but these are the kind of, of minutes that we're divvying out. And for the most part, those remain pretty consistent by this time in the season. And it is clear that Aran Ganat and this coaching staff are still searching for uh, that system, that rotation. Uh, and obviously Ryan Rapp has been put uh, into the, the starting lineup here over the last uh, handful of games. Uh, and that's been a change. Matthew Cotton has seen his uh, minutes minimized, really, in some respects. Uh, you've seen a little bit of a minute fluctuation for Juan Munoz, although he had a really good homestand last week for Hawaii and so I think that's another area of concern uh, is not just finishing games but also before as you're getting to those home stretches of games before you get into the nitty-gritty of just kind of having a little bit more of a consistent idea of all right this is who we are this is what our rotation is going to look like there still seems to be some trial and error uh, that is taking place Um, and I would say that part of that appears to be and this is just you know speculation, but uh, appears to be uh, Hawaii uh, maybe not being able to consistently match the toughness and, and 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 not just physical toughness, although that's part of it, but you know even just kind of that dogged mentality, uh, not being able to match what they are seeing from some of these opposing teams, and it is going to be an awfully tough road trip here from that standpoint because one thing Long Beach State is going to do is they are going to play hard they can be a little erratic for sure but they are uber talented uber athletic and so Hawaii is going to have to match that toughness and I feel like that's been something that has been lacking at least on a fairly consistent basis is that an overreaction you think or, or how would you react to that? You know, I'm kind of torn on that, to be honest, because this is one point that I'll make is that even through the losses, right, even through the, the, the games that they've lost, especially in the Big West Conference, They've dictated the pace in every game. Every game is turned ugly, right? Oh, they play so, defense. That's so whether a constant, you're playing sure. the the best offense in the conference, mm-hmm. or you're playing this team that's averaging 80 points per game, or they're running and gunning, and, and you know there's a team that likes to move up the court quickly. UH has been able to make everyone play their game. They just haven't been able to come out with the dust settled with a victory in in, in most cases, right here in the start of the conference. And that kind of tells you though that that this team is tough. Because they're able to dictate. They're able to change like, what the, the face of this game looks like. And they're able to turn it into what it has turned into. And that's taking some really good offenses, making those offense not look great. But then your offense isn't yeah. good, en- good enough to score more points than the other team. And so that's the one part that I'll say that you know this team has shown uh, their toughness and especially their ability to play defense. I think in years past where they've had a little bit more success, they've been able to turn their good defense into offense and they haven't been able to do that for the most part this season we saw it a couple of for like a two and a half minute stretch against um was that riverside Mm -hmm. um uh i think in the first like four minutes of the of the second half right where they were getting stops and then turning in the quick transition buckets and that's what you saw over the last couple of years when hawaii was playing at their best um, whether it be Junior Madut or uh, Javon McClanahan at the end of last season, able to turn that defense into offense. They haven't been able to do that. They're making stops, 
but then they come up court and they're not able to turn that into offense and that's where they're running into trouble. I don't think that's a lack of toughness. I just think it's it, it, it's a lack of of really just being able to play good offensive basketball. They play defense. That's yeah. a constant. Yeah. That, that's something that, that Aran Gana can hang uh, his hat on is that, that this team every year puts up really good defensive numbers and maybe not quite so spectacular this year as it has been uh, certainly the last couple of years. Uh, but uh, the the defense is there. When I'm, when I'm talking about the toughness, though, uh, it, it kind of ties into uh, something that you said earlier about uh, almost a lack of confidence, right? Mm-hmm. A lack of belief. And I think that some of that sometimes comes from when you cut your teeth in these uh, aforementioned difficult circumstances and experiences. Uh, and then so when it comes around, especially in conference play, when there's so much familiarity and teams kind of know what you're going to be trying to do for the most part. And the personnel is very familiar with each other it's still maintaining a level of confidence like we know what we're doing we know what we are and so when I'm talking about toughness that may be a little bit more of an abstract definition of it but I think it's kind of Mm all-inclusive is you're going into those situations like no we got this because we've been tested and we've come through we know what we need to do and I just don't quite feel that throughout all parts of, of the basketball games here over the last uh, several weeks. And so the the question that has to be asked is, okay, well, well why is that, you think? And I think some of the um, uh, theories that have come out, for sure, some of the fans that have texted in here to this show over the last couple of weeks, even to the Craig Angeles show the other night, uh, was bringing up the question of scheduling early in the season. And obviously they got off to this fantastic start, 7-1, and one, but they were playing in the course of that a couple of Division II opponents, uh, teams that are more or less uh, in in the cellar or bottom feeders of respective conferences and uh, certainly not like power conferences. Uh, and so that has brought on some criticism. Uh, and I and I do think that it's worthy at least of acknowledgement. Whether or not that is the case, it's tough to tell because it could just be a random set of circumstances. But uh, I think if you compare it certainly to what Laura Beeman has done with the Rainbow Wahine, where they schedule so <laughs> tough and, and her team just gets like thrown through the ringer, right? Uh, and, and in some instances just get blown off the floor in these matchups. Uh, and 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 you don't necessarily want those kinds of performances uh, from your team. You would hope that they would uh, hang on better. But Laura Beeman at the start of the year in some of our conversations questioned a little bit about uh, where the toughness on her team would come from. And uh, I think that what she has done by virtue of some of that scheduling would be my theory on that uh, is that she's kind of forced that toughness out of them. She put them through the ringer, through the grinder. And on the other side of that, especially when they go up against maybe more manageable opponents like in conference, all of a sudden there is a lesser amount of fear or or a lesser amount of intimidation. Uh, and, And you could theorize that maybe that's some Something that is has not necessarily uh, manifested itself on the men's side. Now, they have played some tough teams, and, and and obviously the Diamond Head Classic always represents a really tough field. But I think if if you're just throwing out possibilities, like mm-hmm. possible reasons, possible speculation, that might be one. And I know that some fans out there are thinking that that might be something uh, that is at play here. Yeah, and some of it too is you know when you look at who you lost from these basketball teams over the last couple of years. Their personality-wise, it's those guys that would be walking on the court with that supreme confidence yeah. and with that toughness, right? Even a Jerome DeRosier who coming in, you know, it's like, oh, Ivy League guy. He's not going to be that guy for this team. He absolutely was that guy for this team. And to, to not have guys like that on the court right now, 
And it's interesting because, yeah, you, like you said, it, it's a lack of confidence. And it's evident when you're watching in those final minutes of those ball games. And it's funny because there's no one more confident in the world than Javon McClanahan <laughs> yeah, yeah. with three seconds left on the clock. Yeah. But in order to get to that situation where he has the ball in his hands with three seconds left on the clock and an opportunity to win or tie a ball game, you need to be able to get up court. You need to be able to make those passes. And that's where they've been struggling. We've seen on a number of occasions in that final minute, dribbling off the foot, making the, you know, a a not clean pass when you're trying to run the offense and things like that. And so um, it's really interesting how that happens is where, you know, there's no time on the clock. I mean, it's down to the wire. Javon McClanahan is that guy who has that supreme confidence, but is that confidence there when there's, a minute and three seconds left on the clock. And how many times has he come through? Because he has. I mean, you would have it's to crazy. put his his resume of late clock successes uh, would have to be able to be put up against any player in the history of the program, and maybe his would actually shine the brightest, right? Uh, with with uh, you know, maybe there are some more uh, memorable moments like Tess Whitlock's three against BYU. Trevor Ruffin's the same, but I mean, Javon McClanahan had that one against SMU for the Diamond Head Championship uh, last year. And so uh, he has those moments and, the, and the, the sheer frequency by which he does it is amazing. But then you look at it and it's like, well, a lot of that is kind of him just making a play, like a desperation play, not necessarily something that comes out of the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's another interesting aspect of this is how do you put these guys in position to where they're not overthinking those moments, they're able to play freely uh, and able to succeed, kind of like what we have seen uh, from Javon McClanahan. Uh, that is interesting. And right on cue, uh, we get a text message. Mental toughness, played too many weak teams early, paying the price now can't elevate a level of play at end of game. It's a trained behavior, doesn't come naturally. So I think that is probably the viewpoint of, mm-hmm. of a lot of the fans out there. The good news is uh, it's a long season. Um, now you are suffering from seeding uh, advantages as you get deeper into the year and you accumulate more losses. Uh, but that said, we got to be real with ourselves. Uh, these games are important for only that purpose, uh, the the experience points and seeding. Once you get into that Big West Conference tournament where it is winner goes to the NCAA tournament and that's it. Nobody else in this conference traditionally has a chance at an at-large. So it's all about those three games. You would like to be in the fortuitous position of not having to play that first day with one of the top two seeds and the accompanying bye. Um, and, and as that starts to slip away, I think the good news you can, or at least a silver lining to this is, this doesn't necessarily mean that Hawaii isn't going to be able to get it together to where they're playing hopefully their best basketball come March in Henderson, Nevada. Yeah, and the other part of the good news to it is that in every single one of these losses, they had chances to win these games. They're not getting blown out of the water. You're not watching these basketball games and saying, well, these are two teams that are on completely different levels. I mean, even through the three losses that they have in conference, they could have won all three of those games mm-hmm. if they didn't go those stretches they didn't have those droughts where i mean you you're going anywhere between 2 and 6 and 7 minutes without scoring a field goal um or having those late game collapses so i mean the, 
it's possible for this team to turn it around. You're not looking at at something that doesn't look like it's, you know, they have no chance and they're in a different class than some of the top teams in the Big West Conference. It's that close and this early in the season, if they can turn things around, then they could be right there. All right, uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, we want to touch on the Rainbow Wahine basketball team, show them a little bit of attention and love here uh, and also have more to get to with uh, Robbie D. Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports is in the house. Try Domino's Mix and Match Special. You can download the Domino's app, get any three items for just seven nine. Each. You can find the mix and match deals under the coupon section on the app. Domino's Hawaii, they deliver aloha. We'll be back. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Lehi here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Robbie D. Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports is in the house as my special guest co-host for the day. We were talking Rainbow Warrior basketball prior to that commercial break, and I think we got to, uh, for the sake of a balance and uh, and and just attention uh, that is required to a team that's really, really good, we wanted to definitely uh, show some love and dedicate some of the discourse to uh, the Rainbow Wahine basketball team. We're also giving away a pair of tickets for Rainbow Wahine Hoops uh, against UC San Diego for Saturday. So we'll do that at the end of this segment, if I remember. Uh, but Rainbow Wahine, obviously off to a 4 and one start here in conference play. Uh, they have looked really tough. Oh, we do have a caller on the line uh, still there, Liz. All right, uh, my apologies. Uh, 808-296-1420, the number to call. Uh, we also have uh, the ability for you to text in at the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, my apologies, Evan. Didn't see the note up. On the screen, uh, Evan is on the line uh, wanting to get in oh, uh, with a comment. Happy New Year to you, uh, Happy New Year. Kanoa and Rob. Mahalo, Happy New Year. I just had, I just had uh, some some points that I want to make. Go uh, for it. For the men's basketball team, I think they definitely need to, to schedule better uh, to get people um, ready for the, get the interest up. And I would not play Hilo and HPU except for exhibition games. Okay, all right. Is that it? Is uh, is that is that what you wanted to say uh, entirely there, and Evan? Then, and then uh, the free throw shooting and overall coaching adjustments after halftime need to improve. It's not that uh, the men's basketball team is not good, but they're 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 not reaching their potential. And I think that Coach Gannat needs needs to coach better. Okay, all and right. And they need to schedule better. Okay, all because right. Because Coach Beeman, Coach Beeman does an excellent job because her teams are ready when they play non-conference, uh, when they play conference games. And I think Gannat needs to take a, a picture of that. Okay. Um, hey, Evan, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for calling in. Um, I think that he makes some uh, valid points, some stuff that we uh, certainly touched on. He was uh, maybe a little stronger in his opinion of that, which I definitely respect. Again, 808-296-1420, the number to call. Text into that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, I do kind of want to launch off of Rainbow Warrior Basketball and talk more about uh, Laura Beeman's team uh, because, um, you know, respectfully, they have played really, really good basketball here since entering into Big West Conference 
conference play. I think it's a little bit of a combination. Uh, what she has done scheduling-wise here as of late uh, seems to work, right? Uh, they, they have dealt with injuries early in the season, so that's been one thing. Um, she has played really, really tough opponents throughout the non-conference. That's another thing. Uh, and then what happens is because the um, arena, especially this year with the Maui Invitational and all of these other events being held at uh, Simplify Arena at San Sheriff Center, you got the Diamond Head every year. Uh, because there are so many events there in the arena, it's a little bit hard for the Rainbow Wahine basketball program to kind of get in there, right? Uh, and I think also out of respect for trying to give the players some time off uh, close to the holidays, uh, what they have done is they've played a very sparse schedule after that tough non-conference slate in December. Uh, and so then once you enter conference play, it's like, okay, here comes this team that has um, cut its teeth against these very difficult opponents. Uh, the, some of those experiences haven't been pleasant, but it has uh, presumably toughened them up a little bit. Then they go into conference play, and you know what? They're a little healthier. They're a little healed up. They've had some time off. The legs are fresher. Uh, they start to uh, get maybe some other players who were previously injured at least close to also getting back on the floor, uh, and they seem to have hit the ground running. Now, they haven't started conference play as well as this every year. In fact, this is a fairly rare occasion that they've started whatever league they've been in uh to this degree what they're actually what five and one now uh, four in, and one four and one okay uh but they're looking to be five and one i think for the first time since like 99 2000 mm -hmm. or something like that uh and so um you know they, they've hit the ground running here but there definitely has been an elevation in play uh when they have gotten to conference play and it seems like she's figured out the recipe for this a little bit yeah and and it's interesting uh, ashley toms was talking about it where she said it felt like that that beginning part of the season was an intensified training camp right where you have training camp you play these games and they're so uh frequent and the matchups are insane like you mentioned against top teams in the country stanford washington uh ucla i mean you're going up yeah. against the best of the best and then you have this break where you're spending time with family. You come back into the practice court. You can go a little bit harder in practice because you don't have a game coming up. And then you hit conference season and then you feel like it's a brand new season. And everything that's happened was all just to get you prepared for this. And that's a pretty unique as far as how other programs, whether it's men or women, do it from around the country. They only played three games in the month of December, which is wild. And then you look at how they started Big West Conference play. They're holding opponents to 49 points per game. They are playing incredible defense. And what really stands out is Laura Beeman this week at her media availability explained that this is a team that can be tougher, can be more physical. And they think that's what, that's what happened against UC Riverside is where against Pac-12 officials, Things that the whistle is blown a lot quicker, hmm. and if you start getting physical with anyone, that they're going to put you on the line. In the Big West Conference, you can get away with a lot more, and that's the one issue that UH has had from playing that front end schedule against top teams, getting ready for the Big West Conference is that the games are called so differently. So she feels that her team's been pushed around despite the four and one start that they can be a lot more physical, mm. they can be a lot tougher, and they're built to be tougher than these teams that they're playing, but they haven't done it because they've been so accustomed to playing a certain way against these teams. And Interesting. And so, but then with all that being said... They're D'ing up. You're the number one defense <laughs> in the conference. You're holding teams to 49 points per game, and your head coach thinks that you're not being tough, that yeah. you could be way more physical than you are. What's that going to look like once they get comfortable in the Big West Conference to me, through everything that's happened here through this UH basketball season, hearing her say that 
is what jumped out to me the most of, wow, this team could be so much better than they are. Yeah, and, and help might be on the way. Uh, there is at least some expectation that Jackie David is getting close to possibly making a return. She has actually suited up um, the last couple of weeks and has not played. You have Jovi Lefoto, who's still also waiting in the wings. It'd be interesting to see what the thought process is there. But it sounds like, based on some of the chatter, that Jackie might be just a, a hair closer to getting back on the floor. And you want to talk about toughness and you want to talk about an added body that can um you know help in the sort of bruising nature of hawaii both defensively and offensively and also has an incredible amount of inside and outside skill at this game uh, jackie david is the perfect ingredient that that 2022 run to the big west conference championship jackie david may have been the most underrated basketball player on that team especially through the postseason I mean, she was playing with Callan Spiller, right? Who, I mean, that's the center. That's the that's the big body down there. Yet Jackie brings a different kind of physicality. And really, through that postseason run in Henderson, Nevada, the first championship, Jackie David was like the X factor for that. Yeah. So to see her healthy and see her come back and what she could bring to this team uh, that doesn't have a Callan Spiller right now, that would be huge. Uh, all right, catch NFL football at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl. It is a big playoff weekend in the NFL. Uh, you can uh, check out all the NFL games there. They have a happy hour poopoo menu from 4 to 7 p.m. daily. Uh, 850 is the home of the new video wall. That thing is lights out and the place for NFL football. Uh, all right, Rob, I asked you this the last time. Pick a number from one through five. <laughs> I'm going to go four. <laughs> I'm prepared. I've really listened to what you said. Last time, if uh, you weren't listening, I, I think I was like, pick a number through one through five. And you didn't even hesitate. And you were like, seven, uh, and then you caught yourself. And But we did it right here, four. Who so. says one to five? That's the thing. Oh, I don't know. Pick or, a number. Well, like It's always one to ten at the, yeah, at the minimum. Okay. okay. Well, it's like, you know, it's a short commercial break. And, and Liz has to answer the phone. We don't want to make it Pick too, a number one to different. three. Uh, pick a number one through a thousand. <laughs> All right, caller number 996 gets the tickets. All right, yeah, so caller number four. That was the number that Rob picks. Uh, caller number four here, 808-296-1420, gets the free pair of tickets to Rainbow Wahine basketball for Saturday's uh, showdown with UC San Diego. Uh, again, this is a team that is worthy of your support. This is a winner uh, through and through. Laura Beeman has put together a little bit of a uh, legacy, dare we say, even a like dynastic kind of squad here as it pertains to the Big West Conference, and they need some support. So uh, we're giving you some free tickets to go on down there. It's a good reason to check them out, uh, and it's going to be a good game against UC San Diego. Caller number 4, 808-296-1420 gets the tickets, Rob. And a program that we've seen a lot of retro, a lot of throwback University of Hawaii uniforms. They knocked it out of the park. The best UH throwback right now out there, Wahine basketball. I don't want to be a stickler about some of this stuff, but um, they were fantastic throwback uniforms. But the Rainbow Wahine never wore those throwbacks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's why they're retro, right? That's why I use the word yeah, retro, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, because okay. then it's just, yeah. Right, th okay. Those are men uniforms that yeah, they're yeah, wearing. Yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. Where are those, but, uh, the old ones, like the green and the yellow trim, the green and gold trim that, like, Nani and the gang those were Those are cool, but then those all have, like, panels, and they wouldn't work today. And, like, the way that they're cut. Like, what a shill. This, this what a shill awesome. this guy is. I'm just kidding. They, those are fantastic <laughs> retros. Uh, all right, so we'll give away a pair of tickets against caller number four, 808-296-1420. Uh, we will be back.
Welcome back. That's right. Robbie D is in the house. I'm Kanoa Leahy. We're coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu. 808-296-1420, the number to call. Uh, you can also text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. All right. We have a couple of texters that we want to get to here, and then we're going to dip into the bucket of questions. But uh, first question is coming from the texter. Uh, basketball coaches' contract should be based on Big West Conference performance. 20-game cupcake winning seasons doesn't reward anything. Um, saying as an example, 28-3 and three with cupcake non-conferences, not going to get an automatic bid these days from lower uh, group of five conferences. Regular season champ doesn't get the automatic NIT bid anymore now. Uh, win the Big West Conference is the only goal. I mean, I think that's fair. Hey, look. The, the negotiation between a coach, uh, a coach's representative, and the administration at an institution, uh, that is all stuff for them to iron out. Every contract is different. Every contract is loaded differently, has a different collection of clauses and incentives. Uh, and I do kind of agree with the idea of, uh, you know, where are you making your money? Where is the program making its most uh, impact? Uh, and I, I would argue that, yeah, especially for a, a, a non-power conference team or program, yeah, conference play is sort of where it matters the most. So I think that's a, a fair assessment uh, by that caller. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, but then that creates the question is, um, let's say you're looking at just Big West Conference success and, you know, win-loss record within there um, is a coach that goes 500, maybe a little bit above 500 every year in conference, right? Is that a coach that you want at your program? Right. And I'm not saying one way or the other, but it, it's one of those things where if you're if you're in that top four, top five, you're in, you're out. Is that good enough to continue going? Right. As opposed to being at the bottom of the conference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. OK. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, OK. Let's uh, go to another texter. Oh, this is funny. Uh, Kanoa, when are you going to be hired by ESPN? I have been. ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. Uh, what happened to Jacob Yoro? This texter is asking. So Jacob, you're, so we saw that the University of Hawaii opened the defensive coordinator position, um, and that by by all accounts, I mean this is the contracts were signed here in the last day. Uh, Dennis Thurman will be the University of Hawaii defensive coordinator. Jeff Reinbold will be coming in defensive line. Um, Dan Morrison coming in quarterbacks coach. It has not been announced by the university yet. I expect that to happen in the next day or two, um, which then suggest that Jacob Yoro is staying on staff and he will be an assistant coach. It looks like the safeties for this team here moving forward under the tutelage of Dennis Thurman, who comes with a lot of experience. Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, We have another texter who is asking, why do you think women's basketball is so unpopular? Seems like the stands are always pretty empty in college or pro games. Uh, Depends which college and which pro games, to be honest. Uh, This uh, texter is suggesting after 25 years, the WNBA is still not very popular. Should the rims be lowered so there's more dunking, add a bit of excitement? Uh, He believes that Shaq suggested that. Shaq did actually recently uh, suggest that. Um, You know... My feeling is the the women's game's gotten pretty darn good, uh, and I'm you know a bit of a hoopster, I- admittedly, and and huge hoops fan. So I just watch almost any form of basketball uh, if it's available. But I have a tremendous appreciation for the evolution of the women's game. Uh, I am a huge WNBA fan. Las Vegas Aces. Uh, I have followed. Uh, I think that they are a tremendous team. Obviously, they're the front runner in the WNBA, uh, but they have some of my uh, favorite players uh, in in women's basketball. And then when you look at like you know. 
know, Caitlin Clark and what she's done for Iowa and the popularity of women's basketball from a ratings perspective. I mean, ESPN can tell you, like, uh, they're talking about, uh, like, tenfold increases in viewership uh, around some of these games and some of these women's stars now in, in, in that side of the game. And so uh, it is perhaps a little bit of a slower role as far as, you know, greater mainstream interest, but the increase is undeniable. Uh, you would like to see it being applied here on the home front for Rainbow Wahine basketball because I think it's a team that is deserving of that kind of support. Uh, and maybe it is certainly depending on the region a little more, you know, slow moving. Uh, and it's just like men's volleyball, for instance. You look at other pockets in the country and nobody cares about men's volleyball, but here it is a hotbed. Uh, and so I think the same applies for a lot of different sports and, and maybe uh, women's basketball uh, being another one in that category. But I happen to think that uh, uh, women's basketball is pretty darn good and, and pretty fun to watch. Yeah, and that's the point I was going to make as you were talking is just look at men's volleyball and, and some of the other participants within that sport and the kind of attendance that they get as opposed to the attendance that the University of Hawaii gets. And we all know we're in a state where, you know, if, if you're winning, people are going to come check it out, but they need to be given a reason to come. The issue that the Wahine basketball team is having, I think, is that their success comes at the end of the year, going on these runs in the Big West Conference Tournament, right? The last two seasons, winning the championship, they go to the NCAA, and then you have a whole offseason, the season starts, and then you're playing against all these phenomenal teams that are beating you by 25 points, and you do that through the first couple of months of the season, and people look and they say, oh, well, this team's 2-7, and seven. this team's 2-5, and five. this team's three and nine and then they start winning conference games and then they work themselves back to 500 overall and and it just doesn't catch the attention until it's too late towards the end of the year and then on senior night you're getting a pretty good crowd because that momentum is built like, hey this is a good team I need to check them out and then you go through that cycle again they have a good conference off season that or postseason that doesn't happen here in Hawaii right then they go and then there's the off season then rinse and repeat I, you know obviously the UH basketball team has created what they have because of like what you said. They test themselves early. They they, they uh, go up against these solid teams. But it, I think, also creates the issue of generating the excitement for fans coming to these games when people are looking at the box score. If they're not going to every game and saying like, "Oh, this team, oh, this team isn't very good," until it's too late and they realize, "Oh, this team is good." Yeah, right. Yeah. And you got a lot of local flavor. I mean, it just seems like it's a product that could be easy to get behind. And you know, you got to break habits, and people get very formed in those habits of whether or not they go to a certain sporting event, or or whether or not they watch on TV or pay attention at all. Uh, and so I can understand that. But uh, again, like we're we're sort of in a in a time now where like Laura Beeman in her bag yeah. and this is a program that is is on the run uh, and they're doing well and, and they have a collection of players both local and from elsewhere uh, that I think are really easy to root for uh, and so um, yeah I, I'm, I'm all in favor of, of trying to uh, find ways to market that a little bit better um, and hey look if, if you're watching them and supporting them on uh, Spectrum Sports or listening here uh, on ESPN Honolulu that's one way you can support and then if you feel so inclined get on down there uh, it's, a, it's a fun time for sure uh, alright 808 
1420 is the number. We've got these like text messages like flying in right now. Uh, Rob with Coach CB talking about Chris Brown being promoted to associate head coach. Does that mean Coach Sheffield is no longer the associate head coach or is it co-associate head coaches? You want to take this one? Yeah, I'm, you're only going to have one associate yeah. head coach. So uh, Thomas Sheffield remains on the staff, uh, remains a special teams coordinator, but Chris Brown is the associate head coach for this UH football team in 2024. And with all due respect to Thomas Sheffield, and I, you know, I, I'm certainly one uh, who I, I appreciate Coach Sheff. I have a friendship with him. I, I think he's a really good guy. Uh, I do see, though, the thinking behind putting Chris Brown in that position, kind of increase his profile, his pay. Um, it's a promotion that I think it, it, it befits what you want Chris Brown to represent within your staff, right? Absolutely. And, and- a big thing with that associate head coach position, a lot of it is title. A lot of it is, you know, just a, an opportunity to to um, reward someone that's doing a good job. But also, you al- you also have to look at, you know, when th- this guy speaks, you know, Chris Brown is someone that he's going to stand in front of the team and he's going to give them a message yeah. and he's going to get this team fired up. Now, if that's coming from your linebacker's coach, it holds different weight than when your associate head coach is doing it, right? Not that Thomas Sheffield wasn't doing that. Um, and not that he can't do that, but Chris Brown has become that guy for this UH football team where it, after Timmy Chang, it's Chris Brown. And so you want him to have that title when he's talking to the team on the road before they run out to, the, to, to a football field and try to win a football game. You want that title to be under him when he's saying these words to this team. I think that's the most important part of, of this move. Uh, we wanted to get to the bucket of questions, but then we had so many texters. We got questions. a bucket of texts. Yeah, we got a bucket of texts, uh, including, why doesn't UH football wear green? All other teams have green as their featured color. They've gone through a few iterations of uniform combinations, and uh, some of them have maybe uh, not necessarily, you know, there have been some issues sometimes with getting certain gear in at certain times and, and that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, what do you make of about the, the the current combos of colors for UH football. Well, it's interesting. June Jones' final couple of years, I think 05, 06, 07, they did not wear green once, right? They, they had a green uniform, but they stopped wearing it. Then when Under Armour took over, green became a, the main yeah. jersey color, and then you had a black alternate, and they continued that for through the Norm Chow era. Nick Rolovich got new uniforms. They did the black, the green, the white. Uh, green was only used, in, you know, a few times against FCS opponents usually, but he really liked the black uniform. And then when Todd Graham got the new uniforms for Adidas, they weren't giving UH three uniforms, yeah. right? Because it was like that Under Armour dropped the contract. Adidas jumped in kind of in the midway through. I mean, so it was like as quick and bare bone yeah. as, as you can get as far as being an outfitter for a, a college football program. And so they only made two jerseys and so they went black they went white and if there's going to be a third you can guarantee it's going to be green yeah if they get a new uniform set i can guarantee you that they want green uniforms they want it to be green white black um, but they're just in a place right now where they only have two. They went with black instead of green, and that's where we're at. You know, you touched on it, I think, uh, the, the transition, that quick transition from Under Armour to Adidas. I think a lot of the programs went through uh, some of those growing pains, right, because it was such a quick transition. There was no way that all the gear could get there in, uh, in, in most cases in an appropriate time. So you had some programs that were waiting on certain uniforms, and uh, I think for Hawaii there has been the expectation that they were going to have a green uh, combo to turn 
turn to, and that just hasn't manifested itself just yet. But uh, yeah, I think that that is likely coming uh, on down the road. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into our best and worst. Robbie D is in the house. Hey, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Canole here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Robbie D, Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports is shimmying in the house. Uh, hey, did you know that Kahala not only makes Aloha shirts, uh, but they make incredible performance polos as well. They cool you down, Rob, and they keep you comfortable on or off the golf course. And that would have been helpful for any of those golfers out uh, playing in the Sony Open last week. Pick one up for yourself in one of Kahala six stores or at Kahala.com. I did know that because I'm your friend and you're like a walking billboard <laughs> for Kahala. Like, I mean, not even when you're on the radio, right? It's just, hey, Kanoa, how's your day going? Ah, not as good as the fit of this Kahala. <laughs> Kahala, 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 Kahala. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> let's get to our best and worst here. That's what we like to do in this last segment. We've got a little bit of an early start time, uh, early out time, I should say. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, what would you say is your best? Is that where you want to start? The yeah. best? Okay, let's, let's go do with that. best. Uh, right. My best is 14-year NFL veteran, Woo-hoo! St. Louis graduate, Kalihi native, Tyson Alualu, who is now a defensive lineman for the Detroit Lions. He was a part of your Lions winning their first playoff game in 32 years. But what makes it even cooler is that donning Honolulu Blue, Tyson Alualu won his first playoff game of his career. 14 years of being in the NFL, never won a playoff game, got to do it in Detroit as they break that streak or or that drought, I should say. Uh, Just really happy to see uh, him enjoying this kind of a success that he's been waiting for for so long. You know, he's one of only four players in NFL history, Hawaii-born, to play in 190 games, joining Dominic Raiola, Olin Krutz, and Kimo Van Ohafen. Oh, wow, that's that good is stuff. legit. That is really good stuff. And kind of a surprise, right? I mean, uh, he played with the Jaguars and the Steelers and in different years. If he had just happened to be there at different times, uh, definitely would have had playoff experience and some playoff victories. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of wild, but uh, happy he's able to do it. Don in the Honolulu Blue. All right, uh, my best. Uh, we're looking at you, LeBron James. He's always my best. Um, but <laughs> yeah. this, this statistic is unbelievable. Uh, LeBron James. Bleacher Report put this out, as did some other um, media outlets. Uh, They actually showed it on the ESPN broadcast as well. Uh, LeBron James has played in his career against 35% of all the players in the history of the NBA. Yeah, that's a statistic. What the bleep? That's insane. I saw that stat and thought that could not be true. That cannot be accurate. But, man, it just shows that... Through the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, just how long those careers were. I mean, there was just far less turnover than there is now where, I mean, careers are lasting on an average of one to two seasons in the NBA, and LeBron James has been a part of for all of that. That's crazy. All right, we got one minute left, so let me get to uh, my worst, and that was, I think most people have seen this clip already, the reporter who was asking Todd Bowles, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach, about trying to get acclimated to the weather in Detroit and some of the tough weather games that we've already seen, and he's like, uh, you know, we play 
indoors, right? Like they have a dome. Uh, and so that was a little bit of an egg on the face moment for that reporter. Could have been one of those situations where like they sent a news reporter out to a sports press conference. That can happen I'm going to jump on the worst of that. And that is exactly what happened. That station that that reporter worked for eliminated their sports department. Hey. And so they just sent a news reporter who doesn't cover the team that doesn't isn't familiar with the game. And she went up there and asked that question. It just shows that 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 can't happen. All right. 20 seconds. What's your worst? All right. The NFL's marketing and billing of the playoffs. It is so manini, but I don't <laughs> like that it's called the wild card round, the divisional round, right? Uh, call it the quarterfinal, the conference quarterfinals, the conference semifinals. It comes with so much more prestige and, and just tradition with it. I don't want divisional playoff. Come on, man. They can definitely do it this week after the wild card week. Just start doing that. But it's not I just wild card teams playing. Division champs are playing last week. All right. Hey, you had a worst. I love it. Yeah. All right. That's it for us. We'll see you next time.